Nope, it's Carson Stooley. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his weekly appearance. His weekly appearance is the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs. His name is Kyla McDaniel. As he does every week, Kyla McDaniel endeavors to analyze all prospects. Of particular note this week, pitch grades. Pitch grades, they don't translate uh, exactly into performance uh, the same way that hitter grades do. Were someone to assign statistical proxies to the various pitch grades, what would those statistical uh, proxies be? That's a question I sort of ask Kylan McDaniel. I sort of ask him that. We also discuss uh, camera angles, broadcast angles versus those uh, to which a scout is typically privy by sitting behind home plate at a game. <clears throat> Kylie gets my hackles up on that particular topic. We talk about, we talk about a game uh, that at which um, Kylie was recently in attendance. That's at Gwinnett, the Gwinnett Braves, uh, which featured – Newly acquired by Atlanta, newly uh, newly acquired Mike Fultonevich. Very robust fastball he has, Mike Fultonevich, if you want to pronounce it like that. From Houston, they acquired him. Throws very hard. But does he have feel? Does he have feel? That's a question maybe that we address or maybe not. Uh, finally, anyone listening to this edition of Fangraphs Audio uh, will have the pleasure of learning the context for this particular remark. A little hump out of the hand. Once again, uh, that, that is a remark made by Kyla McDaniel, and this is this is it, it again replayed. A little hump out of the hand. It's Fangraphs Audio. Features lead prospect analyst Kyla McDaniel, and it begins right after, it begins right after this musical interlude provided by McDaniel himself. Thank you. feel about the way you've treated me today <laughs> oh kylie it's been rough it's been real rough for you and me no not for you and me for me for carson sestuli weather weather problems computer problems and just look at just being myself to begin with i was i would have led with physical problems if i were you yeah well i was explaining to because i've actually uh, i just went to the doctor I established, like an adult, I established my own primary care physician. I could not tell you where I go when I'm sick. <laughs> um, well, I'm not even sick. That That is how you know you are solidly in the middle class. You go to the doctor, not sick. The, yeah, this is starting pretty grim. Is this going to turn up at any point? No. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Nice try, Kylie. I, uh, I went to, to the doctor, and um, and actually both my weight and my blood pressure – have gone down since uh, my wife and I lived in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, that, by the way, that word wife, I'm pronouncing, it's a word I'm pronouncing correctly in this particular case. Agree to disagree. Okay. And uh, and here's the thing, I've lost weight, but I don't, but my body looks worse <laughs> than it did before. And it's because it's not so much that I'm gaining, uh, gaining or losing weight, it's that my body is turning into the letter S. I don't know if I've talked about this before. You have, and I really hope you're not recording this part. I am, yes. We've lost everyone. Apologies. We're trying to get pleasure. What? 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 What's so big? And also, do you know the, um, there was supposed to be a double A game? If you want to talk about minor league baseball, a double A game here between uh, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, double A affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays, and also the double A affiliate of 
the uh, maybe the Phillies. It's New Britain. Whoever who's New Britain? It used to be the Twins. I don't remember who it is now. Hmm. It changed it like a year ago. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Um... They're the Rock Cats, I believe. Oh yeah, the Rockies. Right, it's, it's the Rockies. Yeah. No, I think it's Rock Cats, isn't it? Yes, but it's also the it's a Rockies affiliate. Oh yeah, because you said uh, old David Dahl would be there. Right, that's right. I should have remembered. I said David Dahl is going to be there, and I'm going to get uh, going to get bad video of David Dahl. This looks like what we're going to, to, to do. Video Malolo. Are you looking at the roster? I mean, should at? I should I be? No. I mean, what am I looking at? You said Davo Dalabo. No, I said Video Malo, as in bad video. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, bad video. Yeah, I'm going to give Video Malo. Yeah. I forgot how good your Spanish is. It's pretty top-notch, and I'm pretty sure I made a mistake with that, given the odds that someone tells me I've made a mistake, which is pretty often. Yeah. Uh, so, so and anyways, that game was snowed out yesterday. Uh, we've just recently had, here in the last hour, Thundersleet. Also, I had... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not lying. The, that uh, sounds like a good meteorologist name. We got Jim Thundersleep coming Jim in Thundersleep. to give us the, the five day forecast. Yeah, Jim Jim Hale face. The, yeah, it does, uh, it, edit that out. Move on. The uh, so that's been in in um, actually might, there might be some advantage because I know that you don't care about him at all. Uh, but Taylor Cole is a right handed pitcher in the Toronto Blue Jays system, who was among the uh, minor league leaders last year in. He was the minor league leader in strikeouts. In strikeouts, and also he was up there in terms of, like, among qualified pitchers, strikeout minus walk rate. Um, he's slightly old for his levels, but has a not um, – has at least a 90-mile-per-hour fastball and also has a uh, an effective changeup. So, so yeah, let yeah. me just recap the first four minutes for everybody since mm-hmm. uh, they probably skipped it. Yeah. Carson's body is falling apart, and it's he's shocked that it's cold in New Hampshire. Moving mm-hmm. on. <laughs> also, Matt Boyd is going to be pitching, and he likes fringy players. I guess that's the third aspect. Matt Boyd is a what is he? Performer? He's a performer. Lefty performer. Although his stuff's kind of average-ish, whereas Cole's kind of fringy to a little below. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that. And what what do you want to say about David Dahl? He's good. I talked to him in high school. Seemed like a pretty nice guy. He's uh, maybe may on the verge of a breakout. He's had sort of injuries and a couple like internal, maybe just one internal suspension for, I don't know, sort of you know maturity stuff for a teenager. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't quite had his like full healthy season and gone berserk, which uh, this may be him going berserk this year. You, you you think that it wouldn't you wouldn't be shocked if 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 he had a strong year? I, he's one of the very few guys I put a sixty on his bat and yeah, so, I noticed yeah his uh, his uh, I mean his. Uh, future value grades are, are really promising. I mean, the upside is a, a six bat, five power, six run, five or six fielder, and at least a five arm, which uh, it's it's P good as the kids say. Yeah, it's P good. <laughs> no, I hope they don't say it. Which kids say that? Show them to me. <laughs> yeah, a, me. a lot of them. I won't say all of them, but a lot of them. Oh. I also had a virus on my computer that uh, claims that... All right, can we just, like, skip the depressing the, portion? The Department of Justice. End. This is a great way. It's called ransomware. It's co- <sighs> it it, come, it pops up and says, this is the Department of Justice and your computer is locked. Um, because this of, is what it's like talking to my grandparents. What it's like, the, yeah. I'm sick, all of my friends are dying, my computer <laughs> doesn't work. Dying, yeah. Yeah. It's just like a noise. Just Wait, like, that, that noise actually sounded... 
It sounded like a sad reggaeton horn. Yeah, all my friends are dying. I don't have enough suits to go to all these funerals. My computer tries to blow up every time I turn it on. Well, I was actually I was asking David Temple, um, who is a writer for Fangraphs, about this virus. He says that what he does, he has, I don't know what this is called, but Dave Temple is an IT professional. He is able to um, access his parents' computer remotely, and he has set this up expressly because he knows that his because you know like you know parents sometimes on the internet moms when they're on the internet they're just like oh this page looks good yeah sure slap on i remember like at one point my mom i think had like three separate toolbars like the ask jeeves toolbar somehow yeah yeah if you look at the browser of an old person's computer it is like its own punchline <laughs> Yeah, you can really infer from it a number – like uh, how they've spent at least hours of their <laughs> their day. My, my dad was a partner at a major uh, accounting firm, mm-hmm. and at one time when he was at home on the computer, yelled at me downstairs and goes, hey, uh, this pop-up ad said you can give me free DVDs. Is that good? And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> this was like five years ago. This wasn't like when pop-ups just started. Yeah. I was, I was like, you're like doing million-dollar deals on a daily basis, and you can't figure out that free DVDs and a pop-up is probably fake. Yeah, right. If it's good, it's probably not true. That's a good That's yeah. a good way of going about it. Um, let's talk about a thing. Cause Thank this is, God. Um, among the axes I've been trying to grind recently around here. Uh, one of them concerns we had. You and I had a conversation off air yesterday about this because I had some questions about it. But I I had a I had what I, what I think is called an idiot's epiphany um, when a concept. It's not like no, no, nothing particular happened that facilitated this epiphany. But uh, um, I guess one thing that happened was I've been I was um, messing around to, to create a rough calculator. To translate uh, the the tool grades, such as you put on hitters, Kyle and McDaniel, into something approximating uh, a, you know, you you produce a future value grade. Say, well, what's that worth in wins if we put all these tools together, right? And a nice thing about it is it allows you to see the sort of different weight that like an 80 hit tool might have relative to an 80 run, right? Sure. You're with me. So doing that, and then I was like, uh, then I thought for one second, I said aloud, or into my own head, I said, what if I try to do this for pitchers? And I realized it is an entirely different exercise because for hitters, the hit tool, that um, correlates, you know, like directly to batting average. Uh, uh, The power tool, that is uh, home runs. Um, And then, you know, even with something like defense, that, you know, you could say that is uh, like a rough estimate of what that guy's, um, defensive run saved or conceded might be at uh, at his particular position. So there's a pretty strong correlation. But when you get over to pitchers, it's like uh, you know, fastball, of course, there's velocity. Um, and velocity itself has some, you know, helps pitchers uh, prevent runs. Um, but not the, it's not a huge correlation. And then, you know, and another thing, it's just like curveball. Like, so, like, we look at uh, Julio Arias, right? And um, I think he's your he's either your top ranked or one of your top ranked uh, pitching prospects. Yeah. Uh yeah, I believe he's yeah I think he's the first pitcher. Yeah. And uh, but the point is he's he's good. He's very strong. And I think he has a relatively what low risk. Yeah, relative to other pitchers. Does that seem right? Uh, 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always hard to define, but yeah. Right. So so he has a uh, what future sixty five value on his uh, fastball you've given him. Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to make it very clear. I'm not. This is not a, any sort of attempt to. Uh, to undermine my authority? Undermine your authority or trick you up. I, because here's the one thing I acknowledge is that these grades, they work for the organizations that use them, right? Everyone knows what that means more or less, what these grades mean, the implications of it. If, and if you're, if you're cross checkers and your scouting directors and your GM understand, then that's, then that's fine. Yes, it is a shorthand at least. Right. But the, and, and sometimes correlates to something. Right. It, now, of course, the batter tools are shorthand, and they definitely correlate to something. So I guess the thing, uh, the thing I'm asking is, well, how do we – what do these things correlate to? And, and fastball velocity is the most straightforward of all the pitcher, the pitcher uh, grades, right? Because it's uh, – or fastball because it, it, it's dependent to, to quite a degree on velocity. Yes. So For some the, scouts that I think have a little uh, – some scouts make it completely on velocity, and then they'll put in the commenter or in the comments of the um, of the report that it's, oh, this is uh, – you know, it's got some movement or command's good or there's an extra command grade or whatever, but I think the proper way to do it is to fold all those things in there. But even I, who can fold four or five things into it, still start with velocities of 65 because – it's 94. Let's move it up or down based on that. So it's at le- very least the baseline, and in some cases is like a overwhelming majority of the grade. Right, baseline or an anchor. It could be the anchor maybe too. Yes, it is that as well. It's an anchor. So a 65 is what 92, 93. Is that a 94 mile per hour fastball? Uh, yes. Okay. And and that and oh, here's the thing. This is another thing that's too established. Is that does that mean this guy sits at roughly 94 miles per hour? Yeah, it's just basically the average. Okay. Well, here. Oh, oh, okay. Quick, quick. Um, um, what is it? What is it called? Digression. Uh, what is the value when you say of a player? I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this later. Um, I'm going to ask you about touching a certain velocity and what that and what what that means. But let's let's proceed here. So, so that's that makes sense, right? And when a scout also, loves a velocity, sometimes he'll touch a velocity. Sometimes he wants to touch it. Yeah. You better watch out. You might get a note from the Department of Justice on his computer, though. Ouch. Um, so, uh, so that if I see though on uh, Julio Rice's, um, uh, among his grades here, we find that he has a 60 present value. Oh, Julio Rice is good. <laughs> I'm glad we got there. Not yeah. 12 minutes in. I mean, he's really, he's really good. He has. These are present values you've given yeah. him. Yeah. 60, he- 60, 55 on the changeup. Uh, need some, you know, could use uh, a bit more in the way of command, but. But you wouldn't be shocked if he pitched some decent innings in the major leagues in his current state. Uh, I would be surprised if he pitches in the big leagues this year in any meaningful role just because of the team and the payroll and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But he spent the whole year last year in high A at, what, 17 and mm-hmm. could have easily pitched in double A or triple A. Okay. All right. So and, then, and at the very least have been like league average and succeeded. Okay. So he's really, so he's, he's very good. So, but his, so he has a future 60, present 60, future 65 on the curveball. Now, I asked you this question yesterday. I said, what does that mean? And allow me to paraphrase your answer briefly, and then you can correct it. I think you said something like that what that means is the scout who sees it, whoever is putting that number um, on, the, on the pitch, ha- is essentially comparing it to a library of curveball, curveballs, a mental library, 
and is saying this is um, this is plus or is that sixty five? Is that even? You usually just say sixty five. Sixty five, right? He's a, that's a it's a sixty five relative, which in if we're being a, a bit pedantic about it, we'd say is like maybe one and a half standard deviations above major league average. Yeah, and sometimes I'll call it easy plus to denote that it's a little better than 60. Okay, right. But plus, so that means that this is, this would be a rare, this would be a pretty rare curveball to find even at the major league level. Yes. That's what that means. Probably less than one per staff, maybe like half per, per big league staff. To look okay. At. In, in, including relievers? Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's it. All right. So that's a, that's a place to be. That's a play, that's a good thing. And presumably, we're saying it's better in the sense that this is better in the sense that it will help that pitcher to prevent runs. Is that, I mean, is that the, the simplest way to say it? I mean, that's the implication. Is right. as the pitch grades go higher, that's what it does. Helps to prevent runs. Yeah. Right. So I was thinking about this today and I said, and I've asked you this question before too. If a, if a person, whose job it is not to go out to fields with some frequency, um, but whose job is to um, sit on his couch and turn into an S while he's writing about baseball. And that's not an abbreviation for a curse word. You're turning into the letter S. I'm turning into the letter S, yes. Um, if Sesame Street, you know, they have a they sponsored by various letters. Yeah. If they needed an S, this is a photo of me from the side. <laughs> Today's show is sponsored by Carson, who's yeah. turning into a sack of S. <laughs> yeah. And now here's a – did it – if there's one – if there's a – if there's a – say if there's an episode of Sesame Street once a week, is it sponsored twice by different there's, – there's the alphabet's only 26 letters long. Just and then move we can, on. Move on. We got the idea. Keep going. Okay. So if I'm trying to think, if I could – if I could link this to – some sort of objective measurement. Do you suppose that swinging strike rate is is the closest one to curveball greed? What, what what is the thing it's directly affecting uh, most on a one to one basis? Yeah. Uh, for curveball, probably yeah. For curveball, uh, because sli- slider is seen as more of a. I mean, there's less movement and it's faster, so it's seen as more of a inducing weight contact or keeping a guy off of your fastball pitch. Mm-hmm. Whereas curveball is seen as a, uh, you know, maybe throw it first to get their eye level and then bury it later to get a swing and miss or freeze them when they're expecting a fastball. Like because it's a bigger movement, it's sort of easier to see in general terms, and so it better be more of a swing and miss pitch or used in such a way. Whereas the slider is more of a a weak contact, maybe a babbit pitch, if you could make it that simple. But that's obviously a lot of generalizations. Right, and th- and there are uh, right. Is, I mean, and to that point, there are quite a few. Um, swing and miss sliders, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I guess there's a, like a 50 to 55 slider is seen as a weak contact pitch. A 60 to 65 slider is seen as a swing and miss pitch, which is why I and I think most people that write about this use 60 as the uh, as the limit to start calling something a swing and miss pitch. Ah, okay, this is a good thing. And so, so maybe yeah, it's like a 50 to 55 curveball is typically used differently than a 60 or 65 curveball would be used. Okay, and that's interesting. So. <clears throat> So at some point, and you're saying with the slide in particular, there is a sort of threshold that it crosses where you be, you begin to think of it as as a as an out pitch essentially. Yeah, it's a weapon rather than just another way to make sure the guy doesn't hit a home run off you. Right, because if the guy didn't have that pitch, then um, or if it was even worse than 50, say, 
then it would just be it would just getting hit all over the place. Yeah, I guess also using the concept of a standard deviation, sort of indicating that you know one standard deviation, there's something kind of magical that happens, or if it's two or three or whatever you want to say that it is, right. that a pitch goes from a part of your arsenal to a weapon, that it goes from defensive to offensive. I think that would make sense. And then, you know, a natural selection sense that one standard deviation is where that starts happening. Oh, yeah, that's a great way to think about it, too. And and so here's the thing. Um, And and this might this might partially um, hinge on something we talked about. I mentioned something the other day with regard to Miguel Castro slider. I was um, I said, well, he just made his debut. Maybe I'll make uh, some animated GIFs and do I don't know what with them. I made the anime gifts and I did nothing else with them except to harass you about it, which was uh, – and it came down to this. I saw his slider. I said, that's not – I mean, it had movement on it, and he actually got a strikeout with it. But it was a, it was kind of more of a Russell Martin strikeout than it was Miguel Castro's strikeout. Um, it was off the plate to a left-handed batter. And generally speaking, I looked at the way he had commanded it, which didn't seem great, and I looked at – um, the movement on it, and I said, based on the other sliders I've seen on my television, this one doesn't look particularly special, even though the fastball is pretty exciting. Um, and then you said, well, if you can tell on television that it looks it looks not that great, then it's probably not that great. And Especially if you have one of those uh, straight-on angles. Obviously, the, the, the sort of off-center angle can be deceptive with certain pitches from right. certain handedness of pitcher. Right. So, so what you did, Kylie. I mean, with mo- as with most things, you say to be honest. But it uh, it it got my hackles up a little bit because I said, what what do you think I can't see from the broadcast angle that you, who clearly regard yourself among a privileged class, <laughs> uh, that you uh-huh. can see from from um, behind behind the catcher as opposed to behind the pitcher. Uh, everything else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. What, what, yeah, so what is that? Uh, well, first of all, being uh, – if the camera was mounted on the – like, you know, the, the standard center field wall, not the batter's eye, but the wall that's, you know, 8 or 10 feet or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If the wall was mounted – or the camera was mounted on that and then zoomed in at the normal angle, I think at home you could – make a lot of the same determinations that scouts do at the game. Okay. So the fact that you're either up high or off center or both makes it way harder to notice that. Right. So the off so let's just agree the off center cameras generally are not great for they they don't appear to be that great for learning um, as much as you can about a pitcher. Yeah, if like for instance, uh, I've uh, interviewed way back in the day for like the video scouting internships where you like basically watch a game and then uh, say what pitch it was. With left-handed pitchers, especially ones with, that throw from the lower arm oh, slots, yeah. you can't tell the difference between a slider and a changeup, which are the exact opposite pitch. Right, and you yeah. can't tell them apart. That's right. how bad the angle is. Right, and especially like like you get. So I think the so the, no the Rockies previously had had the best, the worst angle. I think that they've just changed their home angle, uh, but like now, um, I think so. Now it's the Brewers. So I think the Brewers have the worst angle now. It's the most off-center. Like if you have Javier Lopez pitching at uh, Miller Park, you can barely tell w- what his pitches are because they just start on the left side of the screen and then you know they the all right end side. up on the right yeah. side of the screen. And if there's the velocity, if the gun isn't working, you have literally no idea. It could be any pitch on every single one, right. uh, except okay. maybe curveball if it's one of those big loopy frisbee ones. Mm-hmm. 
you can probably identify it, but yeah, slider, changeup, splitter, two seam, four seam, sinker, four, like all of that looks exactly the same, especially from that guy. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, even with a right-handed pitcher and maybe a slightly better angle, it's going to be flawed if it can be that completely useless with certain pitchers. Right. But so what, what you're su- suggesting is that maybe if, um, I, cause I think now there are six or seven good cameras in the game. But they're all, from my experience, the ones that are right on are very high. They're very, well, uh, yeah. Because the idea is if it's right where the hitter is looking, it has to be high enough that it's not in his eyesight. So, like, by definition, if it's, it's either, it's either going to be too high or too off center. Because, well, because otherwise you're, because you have to see where the, the you would be where the batter's eye is otherwise. Right. Which is where they don't put cameras. They don't put cameras. Um, Um, so that's the biggest part of it. I think the other part of it is, uh, oftentimes, uh, your, your Barry Zito curveball, that type of curveball, the big loopy one, mm-hmm. looks more impressive on TV than it does at a game. Oh, and okay, yeah. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think that might be the sort of hot dog at a ball game tastes better kind of thing, where if you're behind home and you're, you, you can just see like, oh yeah, that, that ball, the, what scouts call it is rolling, like it, it follows the sort of, uh, expected parabolic shape. And it may have some sort of power to the spin and have some sort of bite to it. But if it's, I, I was actually explaining this to a friend of mine who went to the game with me last night. We watched Voltanevich pitch for the Braves, um, and Triple A Gwinnett, which is if it's rolling, it's on that parabolic, uh, trajectory where you can tell where it's going to go right when it comes out of his hand. Mm-hmm. It can't be more than a 55. And 55 with a rolling curveball has to be like thrown pretty hard velocity wise thrown with some command, thrown with a lot of spin to the point where uh, it almost doesn't look like it's rolling anymore. Like, that's what a 55 is. And then most of the ones you see that are more of the sort of get-me-over, big, loopy ones meant to sort of change your eye level, the ones that don't have a loop to them, like the little hump out of the hand, Mm -hmm. but are just bigger and have some power but aren't uh, really good, are 45 or 50, which is what Fulton Evans was a 50 most of the time uh, last night. And then he threw more of a three-quarter slider, and that was a 55 or a 60 when he got it right. But I would, this guy had never scouted a game before and I, he threw one good slider. I was like, that was a 55. And he was like, okay, I would have guessed that was higher, but yeah, I guess this guy's throwing a hundred. So I'm just assuming that everything is better than it is. And then throughout the night, he'd be like, all right, that was like a 55 change up. And I was like, yeah, that was 50 or 55. And you can kind of figure it out. And he could tell it was a completely unimpressive curveball. Um, so yeah, there, I, I think there's something about that vantage point that's a little bit magical just as far as a vantage point to be able to judge these things and mm-hmm. just sort of see, especially because you're, you're sitting close, you can like hear things, you can see how the hitter's reacting, like you, you may not necessarily see a piece of information you can't see from the TV angle if you've got that mythical perfect angle from center field, but it's just close enough, I think you have a better sense of what's going on. Right. Um, but yeah, and then, and then the other thing is there's sort of the general types of pitches that a lot of times you'll see a non-scouty guy on Twitter be like, oh, that slider was plus. And then I'll watch it and be like, it's just a cutter that the guy swung at awkwardly so it looked better than it was. Mm-hmm. Or it hit the guy's glove in such a way that it sounded loud, and so you thought it was a better pitch than it was. So what was you're it- saying is you think Kenley Jansen's bad? Is that <laughs> sure. what you just said? That's, that's what I said. <laughs> there yeah. is actually a thing. I mean, Kenley Jansen's obviously his, – his cutter is fantastic. But he actually happens to be – particularly well suited to the Dodgers camera uh, because uh the Dodgers camera is only it's slightly off center so it actually it actually helps you to see certain things about the right-handed pitcher 
Yeah. Um, because you're like coming right in over his shoulder. Yeah, it's like the angle at which the ball comes out of his hand and goes toward the outer half against the right-handed hitter. It's like perfectly lined up. Yeah, right. And you can ju- but so you could see how how crazy that uh, his cutter is, right? Because he throws it. Doesn't he throw it like in the mid nineties, essentially? Yeah, it's, I think it averages ninety six or something. Yeah, right. And it, uh, and it has. And all if that it was movement. a slider, it would probably be like an average slider, but it's like ten ticks harder than that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It has. Yeah. It has a slider movement and, and ten miles per hour. Uh, it, that's that's what makes him. That's what renders him effective. Which is funny that I remember I saw Carlos Carrasco for the Phillies in high A, and he was like kind of generic, like 90, 93, kind of average stuff, flashing a 55. And then oftentimes you'll see this with younger pitchers that don't quite know what they're doing yet. At the end of the game, he knew he had, it was the ninth inning, so he knew it was the end of the game. But like Fultonovich came out after the fourth inning and started throwing really hard before he came out. And we're like, whoa, he's like hit 99, what's going on? And then he left the game. He was obviously told you got 15 pitches left, you know, let it go. Uh, Carrasco hit 96 with plus cut on the last pitch of the game mm-hmm. and hadn't gone above 94 or 95 the entire game, but maybe once hadn't thrown with cut, like hadn't had that delivery, hadn't had that effort. And then I think I saw something yesterday where it was basically showing that Carrasco's career took off when he basically was throwing the velocity I saw on one pitch there his entire career. And he threw one slider with that arm speed and it was a 50, maybe 55 pitch. And he threw one that was like a 65 and we're all looking at each other in the ninth inning. Like he had that the whole game and waited until like pitch 110 to do it, to hit 96 with plus cut and then throw a 65 slider. Like we know that's in there, but he's been in the minors for three years. He's never done that before. And it sounds like he basically figured out how to do that. Like that's the kind of thing that the scout can tell you, you know, a really good mechanical guy may be able to coax something out of him, or maybe it's a mental thing that he doesn't feel comfortable going 100% the whole time because he thinks he's going to get tired, but he actually won't. Or maybe he should just be a reliever. You'll see stuff like that in high school all the time, but it's a little more odd to see it at that level. It seems that's actually interesting that you say you'd see it at high school a lot because it seems like it's a, it's a sort of risk, right? I mean, well, I guess you have another sort of risk with high school players that they go max effort all the time and essentially shred their arms. But that's that's interesting. What do you think the motivation is for? Um, for, for sort of uh, a tentativeness um, for an amateur pitcher like that? No, I mean, I don't think there's a... I mean, it's very common in high school to see a high school pitcher throw his best curveball in the dirt, mm-hmm. and they call it spiking it. So spiking means picking up your index finger knuckle on a curveball. It also means just throwing it in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times your best break comes on that because it's also technically like the longest break to go from... You know, the high release point to the dirt at 59 feet uh, is kind of like the steepest angle it can take. And so sometimes that means you're, you're finishing it the most and you're going to get the best spin on it. But you don't really know your release point and how to consistently locate a curveball. And so it's the best release is going to often be, you know, sort of over finish it to get the best spin. But then the release point doesn't work out when you do that. Uh, so a lot of times in a game, you'll watch a high school pitcher. I'm thinking of uh, Robert Whalen, who's with the... Uh, Mets now. I saw him in a high school game and he was like 90, 91, 50, maybe 55 curveball and then he just randomly threw a 60 in the dirt. And there's like three or four scouts there so we were all talking to each other and I was like, alright, now when you write a report on this guy, do you put future 60? And he goes, if I want my scouting director to draft the guy, I put 60. But if I'm just, you know, trying to play the board straight and just I get him if I get him, then I put 55 as the future grade. Oh, interesting. And that's that's a little bit of the sort of politics of, you know, are you a scout that, quote, likes players, or are you a guy that, you know, figures out this is the guy I might be able to get, and I think this guy might be good, let me do what I can politically to make sure he gets cross-checked a few times and impresses the right people and, you know, put myself in a position to succeed like that. 
Um, now, uh, we talked about we talked about the uh, the fastball, the curveball, slider, and maybe some of the differences therein. Is the uh, I mean, if if you're equating the changeup with swinging strike rate, does that have any virtues? Do you think or no? Yeah, changeup's a little different just because it's based on deception, and you need to have you know. You, it's not just based on movement. I guess you, I guess you're using the the grade I give the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's implicit if it's a 55 or better that there's some deception. There's some sink, some fade. Uh, there's enough fastball for it to play off of. Ideally, there's a third pitch so you're not sitting on the changeup. It's less likely they'll be sitting on the changeup coming. Um, yeah, but then but then like Fulton Evans last night, a lot of 40 and 45 changeups, and then he mixed in a couple of 55 or 60s. And I was telling the guy that was sitting with me, I was like, "Now you can put future 60 on it, but this guy's 23 in AAA and still can't throw more than 20% of these changeups correctly. Probably not going to start throwing the very best version of it anytime soon." And that's part of the reason why people think he'll be a reliever is he's you know he's been in the minors for four or five years now and is still will flash you a 60 change and flash you a 60 breaking ball but will throw well over half of them, at least a notch or two below that, when you're at that level, you can't project him to, to be the average of the pitch he threw tonight was, say, a 45. You can't project him to be three ticks better than that consistently when he's already there. When you're in high school, you might be able to do that, especially because one good bullpen session with the roving pitching coordinator might take that present 45 to present 50 or 55, and then you're in spitting distance of a 60. And and with the, with the other is the other sort of advantage maybe to turning someone like Fultinovich, and I'm just using him as an example and not saying this even specifically about him, but if you say, well, he's got two pitches, two pitches that occasionally flash 60, but only they're only doing it 20% of the time. If you turn him into a reliever, then you're saying, okay, well, you could just say, right, get rid of your changeup. You could focus on your slider as your like primary secondary pitch, and that sort of that between the advantage, the like the advanced fastball velocity, that can get him into a position to succeed in the majors more quickly. It could. Typically, you don't want to shelve a pitch that flashes a 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going to put him in relief and let him throw 96 to 100 uh, and hope that that – because it was weird. At the, at the end of the outing when he was throwing harder, he actually had better command, which implies that either he's best when he just throws as hard as he can and that's like the best way for him to sink his delivery and feel comfortable or that it was just his mind was wandering and he's kind of a doofus, which I've heard some rumblings that may be the case. And because he knew there were only 10 pitches left, he could now finally focus on 10 pitches. And that's when they talk about like the mentality of a reliever, that it's like, oh, this guy doesn't necessarily know how to conserve his energy for 100 pitches and how to set guys up and isn't necessarily the cerebral type that maybe that just sort of jumbles his head. Whereas if he comes in with, you know, clean ninth inning, it's just like, all right, here's a guy that hasn't seen you all night, probably hasn't seen you all season. Why don't you just throw, you know, really hard and see what happens? He'll mix in the changeup 10% of the time just to keep a guy off him, especially if it's, you know, in division that's seen him a few times. So I wouldn't say necessarily put it away. And he's a weird case where I don't think it's the traditional, like, two good pitches, crappy third pitch, crappy delivery, crappy command. How do we simplify this? Put him in relief and everything will be fine. Like, he's a little more complicated than that. And I think there's some mental issues uh, holding him back more than just the physical stuff, which is usually the problem. And he's made progress this spring on integrating more uh, starter traits into what he does. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's still having these specific sorts of issues that don't necessarily fit this type of player suggest that there's something more than just the he has trouble turning over a changeup or repeating his delivery because he's cleaned up his delivery. He throws a plus sinker at 93 every now and then, but he throws it like uh, 5% of his fastballs as that sinker. And it's like 
plus velocity and plus sync, which is, I think, a lot better than an 80 fastball that's flattened up in the zone that he can't locate. Um, so, yeah, it's – and is also is throwing four pitches, throwing a slider and a curveball, which you shouldn't be because oftentimes, and this is the case with him, when you throw both of those and you're not a huge feel guy, they blend together or you just end up throwing them too much because you think of it as two separate pitches instead of just a breaking ball, and that will ah, you know, right. take away from what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, he – he, he's a weird one. I could see him becoming Homer Bailey because he was another guy that was sort of a thrower over pitcher and then kind of put it all together. Uh, or I could see him, you know, turning into, you know, I guess reliever du jour, uh, Fernando Rodney or whoever it is that has an 80 fastball and just doesn't always know where it's going but knows it just enough, you know, just often enough to be able to, you know, when there's two strikes, put it somewhere near the zone where somebody will swing and miss. What about Jake Diekman? I don't know who that is. He's a uh, – or Ken Giles. Yeah, Ken Giles is a good example. Yeah. Although I don't think he's ever had a good changeup or started that much. But, yeah, the fastball slider size thing kind of fits. Yeah. Uh, J- uh, Jacob Diekman is another he's, – he's a lefty who sits at, like, 98 in the Phillies bullpen. I was going to say, I've heard the name before, but I, I couldn't tell anything about him. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, there's, there was not a lot of reason to watch the Phillies last year unless you were looking to hurt your f- own feelings. But, yeah, he's – your, Or you're preparing for a roast about Ruben Amaro. <laughs> this guy, am I right? Ryan Howard's on the dais. Thanks, Ryan. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this dais. All right. I heard um, we got a higher OPS in the three-hole out of a Subway sandwich. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and then Ruben leans over and goes, what's OPS? <laughs> I, hey, Kyle, that was pretty good writing right there. That was good writing. Yeah, that's, that's top of the dome right there. <laughs> top of that's the that's eight-mile style. <laughs> Your favorite movie, as far as it I know. Is, it is. It's. It's. Uh, I will say. Um, I will admit that I have spent um, uh, quite a bit of my time watching all three rap battles right in a row uh, on a on a YouTube video before. Yeah. Yeah. If, if this is your hero's tale, this is you preparing for your coming out moment, where you uh, where you slam Rob Manfred in a rap battle at the All Star Game this summer. Yeah, it's already scheduled. How did you know, Kyle? <laughs> um, let's say – let's ask this question. Let me ask this question because we're talking about pitchers now. Uh, you will see uh, – one will see. I will see. Carson Sestouli will frequently see in reports regarding pitchers. Uh, sits 92, 94, touches 97. I'm one of those people that does that. Yeah, one of the people that does that. And um, I suppose it's good uh, for no – I mean, it probably has some value just to say here are the, here's the basic range where this guy is. I, I'm wondering for you what is the value? Uh, well, one of the values is we're going to put that on the player pages now because I realize people see 60 fastball and they don't necessarily know what that means or have the inclination to click around. Mm-hmm. So I can be like, oh, this is how hard he throws right now, and this is how high he can touch right now, which I feel like would be instructive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's useful because I can say this guy's got a future 60 curveball. He throws 88 to 91, and he's 6'4", 180, and super athletic and you know checks all the projection boxes and all that sort of thing. And so I'd, people would like to know, oh, he sits 88 to 91, so you think he's going to add two or three ticks to his, you know, velocity. He already hits 95, and you think he's going to hit, you know, sit 91 to 95. Well, we already know he can hit 95. It's more just consistency to get there, whereas 88 to 91 hitting 92 or 93, you can look at that a little bit differently. And it's obviously – it's not like he hits this every single time out, so it can sometimes be misleading – uh, but also a guy like Fulton Evans, I can say, as a starter, sits 94 to 97, hits 99 or 100. Uh, you're like, oh, okay, so that means when he gets moved to relief, if that's what I think is going to happen, then that just means he'll sit 96 to 99 or 96 to 100. Right, like okay. it, it gives you the ability to know these are the these are the capabilities of the most important input of the fastball, 
and you can use all the peripheral things in the video and, you know, the delivery deception, arm action, all that sort of stuff, and sort of decide what you think it's going to be. Like, I think that's one of the general principles I'm trying to make, uh, make happen here is give people the tools to make their own evaluations because it's clear any one person and probably all people in baseball collectively are all stupid when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. But any one person could completely nail a prospect more than any of the so-called experts will. So I'll give you the tools for you to decide, which I, I guess is why I'm uh, looking to finish that whole scouting explain series so people can kind of, if they have, if they want to fancy themselves an amateur scout or maybe one day a pro scout, um, to sort of do it on their own. I would like to fancy myself, but um, my my parents said it was bad for me. Oh, you fancy, huh? They <laughs> said. Anyway, uh, okay, so that's the value of saying a guy touched. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Gwinnett specifically. You took a trip to Gwinnett. Yep. Which is near Atlanta, and that is home of the AAA Atlanta. Um, Gwinnett Braves. Yeah. In northeast suburbs of Atlanta. <clears throat> and they were playing. Durham, AAA for the Rays. Oh, AAA for the Rays. Okay. And uh, uh, so, as you might guess, the AAA team for the Rays doesn't have a lot of good starting pitching because the big league team doesn't have a lot of good starting pitching. Yeah, they well, I mean, the, what isn't it like two at least two or three fifths of that starting rotation now at the major league level? Are they? Off? I believe it's three fifths of the starting rotation, and then also Matt Moore, who was never thought to be an opening day guy. So it's I guess technically four fifths or maybe four sixths. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so what were you? Uh, uh, I mean, you were there. I think. Yeah, I think yesterday was the opening day for the minor league season, wasn't it? Yep, I was. De- I was delighted to, uh, for a mostly close to sellout crowd. They weren't not crammed in behind home plate because I'm walking in with a media credential, so I'm just taking open seats. And you're thinking, oh, it's sold out. It's going to be crammed behind home plate, but it wasn't. That's that could be very awkward. Uh, I mean, oh, I it often is. <laughs> I have not done it uh, hundreds of times, but I have done it tens. And uh, you go down, yeah, you go down when you have your credential. Frequently you might, uh, you could be, you find yourself in a stadium that you've never visited before. That's been my case. And uh, so you have even less of an idea. And you know, is this, uh, what we got, this seat open? This seat open? This seat open? No. See, Carson, one of my principles that I live my life by is a confident guy in khakis can do almost anything he wants. (laughs) So Confident like, guy in khakis who's taking a shower that day. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I know that. I know that you don't. You don't feel but that. Maybe, yeah, maybe confident, clean-cut guy in khakis yeah. can do whatever he wants. Yeah. If you walk up, uh, let's say BP's happening at a minor league stadium, the, like one gate is open, allowing some people in. You don't have your credential yet because the press box or the pre, you know, like the little place where they have it isn't open yet because they're not there. And you want to be able to go watch BP, but you have to explain to every person in this area, like, well, I have a credential, but you guys aren't ready to hand them out yet, so I don't have it. You just walk in and give, like, a head nod to the minimum salary or the minimum wage employee that's working by the door. They're not going to tell you to not walk in there. You look like you're supposed to be there. Yeah, right. And you could say that's taking advantage of the situation, but I'm trying to make it easy for everybody because they don't want to talk to me either. No, they don't. They, yeah, they want to do – because they're mm-hmm. like, I don't care. It's not. I don't own this stadium. Yeah. Yeah, and they, and there's been many situations, not just walking into baseball stadiums where that's the case. So I think that also goes for the seating. If you if you just sort of walk up and then look like you're going for a specific seat, kind of climb over somebody, jump. Are you up talking about a... walking to preschools? <laughs> I mean, if they have baseball stadium, sure. <laughs> if they got a guy, yeah, I mean, just I'm put on talking... some khakis. You could walk right into a preschool, no questions asked. <laughs> you do it with jeans, though, you'll get tossed and thrown in jail. So watch the pants. Yeah, I know. I yeah, I gotta. Gotta get a new pair of nice chinos, friend. 
I really feel like the last two podcasts, we've reached like a new low that I didn't think we'd be able to reach. Yeah, that's fine. Let's keep... Uh... It's probably due to your sort of, you know, personal low. It's kind of dragging me into it. It's real bad up here. It's real bad. I've been making draft calls uh, uh, yesterday and today, and we'll make some more tomorrow. And, and it... what you're finding out, I bet, is that Sestouli's guys are climbing the charts. It's exactly what I say. I call a scouting director. They're like, hey, Kylie, have you seen all of these Sestouli's guys? <laughs> it's like, no, I haven't, scouting director. Tell me about them. Yeah, all right, yeah. Well, you got a lot of people talking about Chris Keck. Is that what I'm sensing? No one has ever talked about him. <laughs> Other than um, really? Yeah. Sorry, you were talking to me about Gwinnett, so I go. Yeah, I go sit down. You saw Fultinovich, who was traded to Atlanta. I'm pretty, sure it's Fult- I'm pretty sure it's Fultinovich. Fultinovich, whatever. He was traded to. He was traded to Atlanta in exchange for um, someone from Houston, someone who's now on Houston. Uh, Evan Gaddis. Evan Gaddis. James Hoyt. James Hoyt. And then they got uh, the Braves got Andrew Thurman, Rio oh. Ruiz, and uh, old Fultonovich. Fulty, as his friends call him. No, not Velasquez. Uh, they got Rio Ruiz. I just said that. But they didn't get. I thought Velasquez was on. Uh, was in Arizona. I didn't say anything Velasquez. You said Andrew Velasquez. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> he plays for the Diamondbacks and now for the Rays. Well, yeah. So why did you get? Why are you getting so confused then? <laughs> you, you clearly have Andrew Velasquez on the mind, which is why this is now officially the worst podcast we've ever done. Uh, no, Andrew Velasquez has has uh, virtues as a player. I just said six names, and you just brought up a random seventh one that's completely unrelated. Like I said it. All right. So wait. So <laughs> so they got Fultonevich. Is that what you say? That's what I say. Yeah. I uh, Rio Ruiz. It's a fun one to say. It is. Well, it's fun. It should be a sobriety test is what it should be. It's like the rural juror. Basically. Rural juror, yeah. Rural Ruiz. I wonder if there's some language, some like um, sort of like uh, language cultures in which it's easier. Like maybe uh, where is he from? The DR or Venezuela? Or? Uh, he's from California. Racist. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. His name, his name is <laughs> entire. His name means his name is a Spanish word. I don't think that's, that's that unfair. That's that that is accurate. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Rio Ruiz is is to baseball as River Phoenix was to baseball. No, hopefully not true. Why are we still doing this? There's no one listening. Yeah. Uh, well, we should go get going. What are you you going to see a game right now? Yeah, I'm going to Georgia Tech to see Nate Kirby, and then uh, I'm undecided, yeah. but I do have a Marriott night, a free night that's expiring soon. Ooh. So i got to pick somewhere more than an hour or two away from my house to justify using this thing. And we got got uh, Chattanooga's nearby. they got old Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, Jose Barrios, Nick Birdie, Jake Reed. they got a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. And they got Mobile, has uh, Aaron Blair, Braden Shipley, Yoan Lopez. And then also in Memphis... This is this is the big ticket item. What's that? In Triple A Memphis, yeah. uh, St. Louis has a decent squad. They got Marco Gonzalez, Stephen Piscotti. Stephen Piscotti. Yeah, which is how a three year old would say spaghetti. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Tim Cooney. Uh, however, the reason I would be going is because the Iowa Cubs are there, and they oh. have Javi Baez, Addison Russell, Chris Bryant. Wow. And I believe that group will only be there together for another couple weeks, and they don't come anywhere close to me. Like, this is six hours away, so I'd go three hours to one of those games in Alabama, then another three the next day to Memphis. 
uh, and they're not within like 15 hours of me for the next month. So I was like, that Seriously. sounds like a decent. Plus, in Memphis, I get to get some of those dry rub ribs. That's so, so much driving. Six out. Well, yeah, it'd be 12 round trip to get uh, two really good games. And what are you what what are you hoping to see, Kylie? What are you hoping to see? Plus, I got a bunch of draft calls, which can fit nicely into a long drive. What are you hoping to see? What? Chris Bryant's there? Yeah, Chris Bryant's still good. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him a few times. Also, checks all the boxes. I haven't seen Javi Baez take BP in a few years. Well, I bet it's a, I bet it's fun to watch. Yeah, but, but like I said, I got I got a hotel night to burn, so I'm saving Mr. Appleman like you know ninety bucks. So and and the ribs, right? That's I mean the Keith Law School of uh, Scout Writing would say that this job is primarily a food tourism uh, job, right? Well, I support it on those grounds, yeah. Plus, I, I lunched him today. He's in Atlanta, uh, so we went to a went to a place that's a converted gas station. That is just great. What do you want a medal? I mean, maybe a Twitter mention would be great. Yeah. Talk to Kylie McDaniel. He really, he's really living the life. All right, we're done. Yeah, you done yet? Yeah, <laughs> we're done. Stuck on a snowbank, lashing out oh, at everyone that so loves you. So sad right now. Yeah. And also me. Um, that was good. I learned some things. Um, so I'm happy about it. Successful as far as that's concerned. Are we ever done now? Yeah, we're done. I'm the lead prospect writer for Fangraphs.com. That's uh, Kylie McDaniel, lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Stooley. This has been Fangraphs Audio.